Hello, and welcome back to Jacqueline Robinson, affectionately known as Jackie R, hot and mobile technology out and about, cybersecurity podcast. If you are looking for a dynamic, keep it real, real cybersecurity speaker, visit my website at hotandmobile.com. That's H-O-T-A-N-D-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com. My passion is for you to trust me to show you how to be smarter than your phone. In today's episode, we will be discussing coronavirus charity scams and what you need to know and how to protect yourself. Listen, the coronavirus caught us all off guard. There were many people and still are many people that are affected by this pandemic. Old people, young people, um, people in the United States and people all over the world. But what is unfortunate is that we also have to witness a rise in charity scams as fraudsters seek to exploit the crisis to carry out cybercrime. And that is definitely unfortunate because even in a crisis, doesn't matter if it's a flood, if it's a hurricane, uh, whatever it happens to be, any type of disaster, there's always going to be that group, that element that is looking for a way to get something for nothing and to cheat people. As early as February of last year, the United States Federal Trade Commission warned us that scammers are taking advantage of fears surrounding the coronavirus and they're setting up websites to sell bogus products and using fake emails, text messages, and social media posts as a ruse to take your money and get your personal information. Now that's a damn shame that people would stoop so low as to do these type of unscrupulous things because these scams cost you money and divert donations away from the real charities and the real causes, the people who really need it. So in this podcast, I'm going to outline critical coronavirus scams and charity frauds, what to look out for and how to protect yourself. So how do coronavirus charity scams work? Well, charity frauds tend to fall into two categories. Now I'm talking about charity frauds. First, scams which target the public. And then two, there are scams which target charity workers themselves. Those innocent people who are volunteering to work for a good cause. So now here are some coronavirus scam examples that have targeted the public. Fake charities or impersonating charities. This is where scammers pose as a fake charity to solicit fraudulent donations. Often they pick a name that sounds close to a genuine and well-known charity. You have to listen very closely to determine whether or not it's fake. 
person in need scams. Scammers pose as an individual affected by coronavirus or perhaps claim to be acting on behalf of somebody else who has the virus, a friend or a relative that are seeking your financial help. The person will claim to be in trouble because of the crisis. For example, by saying they are ill, they're sick, or they're stranded in another country, another state, another city, and will ask you to send them money. Often they claim urgency and the need for secrecy. Now, you know dang well if they want to keep it on the down low and they want you to send money, that there's that is very suspicious. So don't be suspicious. Testing, vaccine, and treatment scams. Scammers often fake home test kits and miracle cures or vaccines which do not exist. They may also target Medicare recipients. Listen, seniors, they are targeting Medicare recipients by offering COVID-19 testing in an attempt to steal your personal information. Checks from the government, which has to do with those stimmies or those stimulus checks, where scammers claim to be from the IRS or another government agency and ask for your personal information. Or they try to charge you fake fees for you to get your stimulus check. Or often offer you a way to get the money early. <laughs> FDIC and banking. Frosters pretend to be from the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or what we know as the FDIC or your bank and say your bank account or your ability to get cash are in danger and ask you for your personal information. Now, th these are uh, ways, scam examples, that these bad boys are targeting the public. Now, here are some ways that these bad boys are targeting charity workers, those people who have volunteered their time because they, have, they care. They volunteer their time to help other people in need, and they are being scammed or offered scammed, or tried to, they're trying to trick them. Now, one is fishing. And I talk about fishing in some of my other episodes uh, in the uh, uh, corona, uh, not coronavirus, in the uh, cybersecurity series of Be Smarter Than Your Phone. So go back uh, on anchor.fm or go out to my website, hotandmobile.com, and look for the menu item for podcast and check out episodes one, two, and three, which where I discuss fishing and smishing. But again, I'll explain what fishing is as charity workers are being targeted. This is where fraudsters claim to be from a legitimate organization that can provide information that could assist local charities, such as a list of vulnerable people in the local area who may require support. Like they may have identified a community and say people in this community need uh, support. The victim, the charity worker, 
is invited to click on a link to access the information. This typically leads to a fake website or they ask the charity worker to make a cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin payment. Now, Bitcoins is not that um, prevalent among the general population. So that in itself would be suspicious to me. Here's another one. Mandate fraud. For example, a charity employee working from home might receive an email that appears to be from a legitimate company providing services for the charity. That is a fraud. You need to be very careful about the emails that you receive. Now, here's one that you probably may be familiar with, and it's the procurement fraud. This might involve the online sale to a charity or public health organization of vital personal protective equipment or what we know as PPE such as face mask and gloves. Once the payment has been made, and this is the sad part, once the payment has been made, no products are delivered or the products do not meet the required standards. That happened to New York City where they were a victim of PPE fraud. So even as a, 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 a city as large as, or the state of New York, as large as the state of New York is, they were scammed from a PPE fraud. So you, if down on our level, you need to be very careful. And in talking about being careful, here are nine tips to keep in mind when it comes to coronavirus donation scams. Number one, legitimate charities will not be registered. I'm sorry, let me take that back. Legitimate charities will be registered. Let me say it again. Legitimate charities will be registered. So you should cross check an organization's credentials on a known database to see if they are genuine. If somebody comes to you with a charity that you've never heard of, then you need to make sure that you Google that name and find out whether or not it's in a legitimate database somewhere. Number two, individuals who have been affected by the illness are unlikely to contact you directly for money, especially strangers you don't know. In other words, just because so-and-so that you don't know contacts you and says, I'm sick and I'm, and I need some money. That is obvious to me, a scam. You don't even know the person. And so how could they even have the audacity to contact you directly and ask you for money? Number three, it is difficult to recover money sent via money order, wire transfer, international funds transfer, preloaded card, or an electronic currency like Bitcoin. So you should avoid any arrangement with strangers that ask for upfront payments this way. What way? 
money order, wire transfer, international funds transfer, preloaded card, or an electronic currency like Bitcoin. If they're, they're contacting you and asking you to transfer forms in th- these formats, just be cautious and aware that that is more likely to be a scam. Number four, generally organizations asking you to send for funds to a foreign bank are highly unlikely to be legitimate. There's no way somebody in Turkey that calls me or emails me soliciting for fun for a coronavirus victim. Am I going to take that as being legitimate and then send some funds through a, uh, to a foreign bank? That's that just, that just should not happen. Number six, just because someone knows your name and contact details does not mean they are genuine. Question every surprise email and request you may get. As seniors, we need to be particularly cautious just because somebody knows our name or they know our telephone number or they may have our address. They could have, they could have gleaned that information from a, a, a illegitimate place and contacted us and we should not fall prey to that type of scam. Number seven, scammers often use high pressure tactics like a sense of urgency or using highly emotive language. Sometimes this can even be part of a more extensive social engineering attack. What's social engineering? Social engineering is the psychological manipulation of people into performing actions or divulging confidential information. If someone solicits donations from you, check the facts and don't donate without investigating. This is because legitimate organizations will not apply that same level of pressure and you should be cautious of anyone claiming that donations need to be immediate to be effective. You can't come to me and say, we need the money like in the next five minutes. That is a tactic or someone might die if we don't send the money right away. That is a pressure tactic and a clear sign that it could be a scam. Number eight, for legitimate charities, according to the Wise Giving Alliance, at least 65% of donations should go directly to the people or cause they are serving. If the proportion is much lower than this, lower than 65%, it is questionable to what extent it is a real charity. So you need to find out how much of your donation goes to the actual cause in one way to assess a charity's legitimacy. Number eight, be cautious about fundraising appeals with generic or vague uh, wording, such as to help people with COVID-19. Well, there's a lot of people with COVID-19. That is just so generic to help people with COVID-19. Or that simply contain a cell phone number 
without additional, more specific information. Somebody sends you an email that says that they are soliciting to quote unquote, help people with COVID-19 with just a cell phone number. That is not, that does not even appear to be legitimate. You need to be careful. So how to protect yourself from coronavirus charity scans. Tips for people who actually want to donate. These are the things that if you want to donate, you should work, uh, look out for. Number one, search for the charity on a public database where you can check if a charity is legitimate. Some of those databases include Charity Check, Charity Watch, BBB Wise Giving Alliance, and Charity Navigator. Google those and check those out when someone approaches you with a charity that they want you to donate to. Number two, check the charity's website. A legitimate charity website should be easy to find via search engines. Check the URL, check the web address. Most nonprofit web addresses end with a .org rather than a .com. So avoid web addresses that also end with serial numbers. Their EIN, what's the EIN? Employer identification number that you can get from the IRS and a tax ID number should be clearly shown. So check that, check the EIN number that comes straight from the IRS or the tax ID number. Fake websites, especially fake charity websites often ask for detailed information such as your social security, date of birth, bank account, and PIN information. Now, there's no way you should be giving out that uh, most personal information, your social security number, especially seniors. They tell us not to give our social security number to anybody, especially over the phone, your date of birth, your bank account. No way are you going to get my bank account number and my PIN? Absolutely not. Because with that information, that's easy for you to go in and steal all of my money. So you need to be very careful in providing this information so that it doesn't make it easy for them to steal your identity. Number three, to donate online, type in the charity website address rather than clicking on a link. That's easy. Take the web, the uh, web address, copy, and then paste it in a new uh, window. And it might be a good idea to use a, um, a secure browser. Okay. Approach charity organizations directly to donate or offer. There are local organizations in your community that you can call or go and visit personally and ask them what type of donations that they may need. Number four, try to find any media coverage or additional information that can validate a fundraiser's legitimacy. 
review ratings and reviews of the charity in the public domain. Search online for the charity's search, a surname or the charity's name and the word scam or fraud to make sure that somebody has not reported that particular charity that's soliciting you as a scam or a fraud. Number five, donate using a credit card. It is the safest way to donate. Never, never donate by giving out gift card numbers or using a wire transfer. If someone asks you to donate that way, assume it is a scam. Number six, delete unsolicited emails with attachment. If you don't know who that email came from, if you don't know the name, you don't know the person, don't even waste your time trying to open it. Delete it immediately, especially if it has an attachment. Legitimate emails from real charities typically will not include attachments. Do not open any attachments to these emails since they are likely to be viruses and cause inadvertent downloads of malware onto your computer, making you vulnerable to future hacking attempts because you won't even know that it's there, but the, the bad boys will. Number seven, I think I am. One, two, three, four, five, six, number seven. Seven, okay. Do not click on links in suspicious emails and never respond to unsolicited messages and calls asking for personal or financial details. Avoiding fake charity links will also help prevent phishing scams. Phishing scams, again, is where you get an email and it looks legitimate. The logo, they have a legitimate logo, um, and it looks like something that's for real, but typically there may be a misspelling of somebody's name. The company name might be misspelled. So again, go back and review our uh, cybersecurity um, podcast episodes one, two, and three for additional information about phishing. Number eight, check email addresses are valid. This is a simple tip you can use. When you take your mouse and you hover that mouse over the email address to actually reveal the actual email address, and it probably will appear down in the bottom left corner of your uh, laptop or your computer. So check whether it is a link to a real charity or one crafted to deceive people. It has some uh, 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 unusual looking email address that you've never even could never even recognize. And it doesn't match the charity that it says that it's coming from. Number nine, be careful on social media. Social media is a useful way for charities to communicate with the public and solicit, solicit donations. But do not assume that a donation request on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube is legitimate simply because a friend liked it 
or shared it. Take the time to research the group before donating. Number 10, give through a reputable and secure service. For example, Charity Navigator's Giving Basket is a safe and convenient way to give to charitable causes. The Giving Basket only donates to legitimate charities, so you are protected from donating to fraudulent appeal by mistake. Number 11. Oh, this one really got me. This one right here. Everybody's heard of GoFundMe and you've heard success stories of people posting on GoFundMe, you know, sad stories of, of illnesses or deaths or whatever the case may be and how people have donated hundreds and thousands of dollars for the cause. But there are some other fake uh, examples of what has happened on GoFundMe. So there has been an increase in crowdsourcing. That's what GoFundMe is, is a crowdsourcing website like GoFundMe where people can quickly put up fundraising pleas to cover unexpected medical bills or personal tragedies. However, GoFundMe does not verify individual requests. So there is no way to know if a person's story is real or a scam. Again, tread carefully. Number 12. And this is one of the main reasons why Jackie R. Hot and Mobile Technology for Out and About is doing the cybersecurity Be Smarter Than Your Phone series. Protect your devices. Always install the latest software and app updates to protect your devices from the latest threats. Buy a comprehensive cybersecurity solution like Kapersky Security Cloud to get personalized and adaptive online security for all your devices. Finally, I'm going to talk about tips for charity workers. For you guys, here are four things that you need to do. Number one, carry out due diligence. If you are making a purchase on behalf of your charity from a company or person you do not know, by all means, discuss with your colleagues if you are unsure. Number two. Be cautious if you are asked to make changes to bank details or make payments to a new account. Wherever possible, follow your charity's validation procedures and check the authenticity of such messages before making any payments or actioning banking changes. Number three, question unsolicited offers of goods or other financial support where an advanced fee payment is required. In other words, they're going to offer you some stuff, some free stuff for your charity. However, it's not really free because they want you to pay a certain fee up front. Do not feel pressure into making a decision that could harm your charity or your beneficiaries. Number four, trust your instincts. 
If someone, th- if something or someone does not feel right, then leave it and them alone. As the saying goes, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Now, what should you do if you have been scammed? If your charity has been, been scammed, if you think you have provided your account details to a charity scammer, contact your bank or financial institution immediately. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the harder it will be to track down the scammers, the bad boys who took your money and it'll take longer if at all for you to get your money back. These are just a few of the tips I will share with you through the Be Smarter Than Your Phone cybersecurity series. In our next episode on February the 11th, we will cover online videos, Zoom, how people are scamming on Zoom and other li- uh, other video calls. On February the 14th, I will have a special guest, Sue Cerna, where we will discuss Instagram scams and Facebook security. So don't miss those episodes of this podcast. This is your girl, Jackie R, high and mobile, technology for out and about. Continue to trust me to show you how to be smarter than your phone.